and welcome to this very special Christmas edition of the LOI Weekly Podcast. And I'm delighted to be joined, as ever, by my co-star Daniel MacDonald, former Bowes keeper Shane Supple, and Dundalk skipper Brian Gartland. Lads, how are we? Starting with you, Dan, actually. Yeah. Good, Johnny. Yeah. yeah, Christmas special. Yeah. Um, festive. Yeah, very festive. And uh, it was a pretty dramatic year on some fronts, uh, ending in kind of, I suppose... Ignominy in Irish football, but the, the year itself, uh, what do you Yeah, think? we might maybe discuss that a bit later, but I mean, football-wise, I think it was, it was a decent year in the pitch. I don't think it, it was... wasn't a 10 out of 10. I don't think it was a vintage year. I mean, I think, uh, in a way, like, the excellence of Dundalk in the league uh, is, you know, it's a testament to them, but the title race didn't necessarily run till the, the final weeks. We had a cup final that was dramatic. I think that captured the attention. I think, you know, you could probably raise questions about the competitiveness of the league in terms of from top to bottom there was big gaps between second and third and you go further down the table so there's room for improvement I think at the top end I think you'd be encouraged enough but I think you sort of have to raise the hope that the bar is raised a bit higher at the middle tier next year to to maybe make it less of a foregone conclusion with a third of the season to go in terms of the top end of things. It was a very very special year for Brian Gartland on many counts because um, I suppose most significantly became a dad for the first time. Bobby Gartland was born just towards the end of the season. Yeah, October first for the probably has a similar haircut to actually. We're having a race now to grow it. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was a, a month of spare, and I suppose luckily we wrapped it up early because I suppose those next few weeks I got hardly any sleep. So mm. if you were competing to play and, and be at my best, I probably would have been slacking a bit. Was it any way anticlimactic? Um, yeah, I'd say that's that's what happens when you've won it that early, early, and you know for the league and for ourselves as well. By the time you go to lift the trophy. You never take it for granted, and you love those moments. But um, yeah, I suppose you—it's what four or five weeks since you've since you've actually won it between lifting the trophy. Um, so yeah, it does take a little bit off of the uh, the shine off it, and then you all eyes are on the cup final next week. So we weren't really in the mood for celebrating. It was a very different year for Shane Sopel. It was his first year out of football um, after many years involved in the game. And Shane, I did meet you a couple of times during the campaign, particularly when Bowles were going well. You saw young James Talbot come in for Bowles doing unbelievably well. And it was a mixture of emotions for you, I think. Yeah, it was difficult enough watching it, but I was delighted to see how things worked out in the end for Bowles. You know, they definitely overachieved again. Um, I wasn't expecting a finish like that. Um, you weren't delighted about Rovers, though. <laughs> no, it was great to see you know another team come up and, and challenge Dundalk, which is, is needed. Um, but you know, the, as you said, there the gap is massive. I think we, you know from the two Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers to the rest, and it's uh, a case of trying to bridge that and how how clubs are going to do that financially. The two guys are in a, are a different league altogether. It seems um, from the likes of Bowes, who have probably the third smallest budget in the league, and again punching above their weight. And, and Derry obviously had a fantastic year as well, but the likes of Cork and Waterford have, have dropped off massively. So they'd be really disappointed. You know, a bit of struggle down there. It seems in the in Munster. So um, we are wondering where the challenge is going to come from. From you know, to the likes of Dundalk and Rovers. Have you, have you got a different perspective on the league from being on the outside of it? You know, I've been doing the punditry stuff and yeah. actually when you were at Bowes you're very much engaged you see everything through red and black but it's a bit different suddenly being on the on the sidelines he even took the day. mic at the PFAI awards as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. the hunter was forced, has become was the hunter. there was something else involved there but uh, <laughs> no it was, it was yeah it was very different obviously you know you're prepping and you're focusing and you're getting a, a lot more in depth look into teams I suppose you know facilities aren't, aren't great up in the gantries in, in some of the Dundalk in particular um, but yeah it's, it's a different perspective on the game you're seeing it from a different angle to obviously being on the pitch um, myself so 
um, tactically you're learning a lot more. I, I felt you know throughout the game, obviously an analysis of the game as well. But um, you're, you're seeing little you know idiosyncrasies winning the league as well, and that's some grounds around the place that you know it's that's what makes our league great. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes our league great at the same time, and it has a bit of character. But also there's massive improvements that are needed in the league to bring it up to a level where you know we can say we are a professional you know outfit. Does it pitch for you, Brian, the thought? I know you've plenty gone on off the pitch, but the, the thought of giving it up, it's done, and that hype that you experience of, of match night is gone. And it's going to come to you at some stage. You're still going yeah. strong, but Shane had to retire early. Like, How much does that frighten you? Um, no, not for me at all. Uh, obviously, I love it. and Listen, I love every every day you get to go out and you play as a professional footballer. So you get up and when people are going to work, you're going training, and mm. it doesn't feel like work half the time. But in the end, like Shane will know, it becomes a job when when it is, I suppose, full-time and you're in the mornings and it controls your life for 10, 11 months of the year. It it does take over and sometimes it's it's not football, it's it's work. Um, but I suppose I have stuff going on outside. I, I love what I do outside of football. Mm. Um, and I had to keep that going when we went full-time the last couple of years because I was 30 or 29, 30 when we went into that you, you know, I can't, couldn't give up, I suppose, what I'd worked on. Yeah, which um, is? Which is? Uh, I've after school classes for basketball and then I'm in the process of setting up a recovery rooms, so sports recovery, so it's all to do with, um, I suppose, the last few years I've decreased my training, trained smarter, and it's all about recovery and getting more out of my body. So how I look after myself outside of training and games, and I find that, like, that gets me loud. So yeah. I've set up a business sort of with that niche. Um, you always manage to plug of the business on the podcast, which yeah, well, I admire. Listen, Dan threw it in there. Dan threw it in there. I want to mention it twice. I want to cut to the chase here, though. Was it a good, like, was it a successful season for Dundalk on all levels? Was Europe the sort of, uh, we could have done better, lost the cup final, albeit on penalties. So, like, was it a 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, or how did they... Because you're such a hungry dressing room, I'm not sure how you actually kind of would react to it in hindsight. Yeah, I suppose I'll, I'll be honest. Like I, I was, I'm a bit too honest with stuff. Um, I won't put a number out of ten on it, mm. but I think like we were we were efficient in what we did. We played well in fits and sports, but I thought at times we didn't play as good as football as we're capable of and as we have all, over the last few years. Um, but sometimes you have to be able to you know change and grind out results and just get the job done. Um, so I think there's improvement from us there. We all know that because we've got such talented footballers. We know, you know, the ability and the performances we can put in. So mm. if we're not at our very best, I suppose we're we're not happy. In Europe, um, I suppose there was good talk about it after, you know, going out to Slovan and and uh, the Cowboys and uh, John Mott's official term. <laughs> for, but uh, you see, can we cut that? Out? <laughs> but, you, but you see what they've done in the group after, and yeah, they're a very good side. Yet you didn't really perform but, over the two yeah, legs. This is what I, to, yeah. I don't think we performed to our max in mm. Europe. I don't think we went into it in our best form and I don't think we, we performed to our top ability. I want to bring Shane in on that. So Rovers obviously did quite well. They overcame Brand, went out in Cyprus in, in the heat. How did you assess Europe overall? I think it was a disappointing year for the Irish clubs overall. You know, like, and Cork City and Pats went out the first sorry. Yeah, like, I don't think that's an overly surprising thing. I think mm. Rovers done well. Um, I think Dundalk are... We're disappointed. I think we have so much expectation around Dundalk every time that we're, we're expecting them to replicate what they did in 2016 or at least get close again. And but we have the same expectation of ourselves. Yeah. And that's mm. where I come from when I say I think we can do better. I think yeah. we can perform better. Because if, you, if we think we're at our best there, then you know there is no room for improvement. So we've got to always yeah. have that expectancy of ourselves that 
yeah, we've done well. We did okay in some games, and you know, we we did well to get past Riga. They they done well in the next round, but then Absolutely. after that, you can always do better. So I suppose that's what I mean on the. I, I think for where the league wants to go, we have to get beyond the point where, and this is a historical thing, and you still see it in Northern Ireland sometimes that a team goes out of Europe and it's like uh, the brave team went down. And like I Moral understand, victory. I understand that that yeah. on resources you probably still, I, I, on occasion, you are looking for teams to maybe punch above their weight. But you're only going to improve if you're going to be critical of yourselves afterwards and not suddenly come home, as you say, with the moral victories, with the if onlys. It's a case of. It, did you sort of perform to your 100% yeah. capabilities? And that is the bottom line. And yeah. I think we should look for those standards of our teams without, without sort of being over the top as well when yeah, they, when they go out. There's, there's, a balance, right, yeah. there's a balancing act there. Well, none of the four teams did any worse than they showed, really, if you look at rankings and all that. But one player who made a huge difference in Europe was Jack Byrne. He was introduced in the summer in this kind of marquee signing that I got everyone talking. His performances in Europe, Dan, um, were, were quite outstanding. He won the PFI Player of the Year. What do you make of his campaign? Yeah, I mean, I think the Europe, I mean, he was in the Ireland squad and there's a massive debate about, well, should a League of Ireland player be in the squad? That's, a, I think it's a fair and understandable debate, but I think it's a bit like Daryl Horgan a couple of years back, that you look at how Jack performed in the European games and you're thinking, yeah, I, you can see why he has attributes and he can bring something to the, you know, bring something to the league. He, he, he was voted by the players as their player of the year. I think, you know, that, that in itself is, is high praise, as the lads here would know. And um, Does he stay? Uh, does he stay? Um, I, I think it's, it's quite likely that, that Jack might start the season um, here. I think it would be great if he did in terms of profile, but I think we all know realistically as well that there probably will come a point... And, and really, from the Roberts' perspective, it's not a bad thing if he does leave, wants to get a proper fee and they're actually compensated yeah. for Just it bring you does. in on that, Brian. What do you make from him? What would you like to play against? I know um, Patrick Hoban had a little bit of a dig at Rovers, the way they play, that it's very pretty, it doesn't necessarily produce a lot. But what do you make of Rovers and Jack when you were playing against this season? Obviously, their, their strength is in midfield. They have an abundance of talent and technical ability in, in the centre. And Jack is, you know, at the forefront of that. Um, I suppose the difference between Jack and, and a lot of other players in the league and why he is, I suppose at a higher standard is his ability to see a pass other lads won't won't see. I know when I'm defending, when I'm reading the game and he picks up the ball, I'm thinking differently to if anyone else is picking up the ball in the league because mm. he's looking for a different ball. He's looking, he's doing stuff that he's not even looking at sort of thing and he can pull it off as well. So that's, I suppose that's where his level is on another from, from a lot of other midfielders in the league. Yeah, Jack Byrne really lit it up this year. After break, we'll be looking ahead and previewing the 2020 League of Ireland season, a bit of 2020 vision. Welcome back. You may remember one of our stars on the show uh, this year was Danny Mandrew, who has that movie star quality about him. Super subs. What does he need to do to, I suppose, go to the level of Jack Byrne? He had an outstanding season, but you were quite critical at times of Mandrew, just uh, maybe his work off the ball and so on. Yeah, I think there's stuff. He's still a young player, you know, come back in his first year playing men's football. You know, we've all seen what he can do, put ball in top corner, left or right foot, but he needs to improve other aspects of his game if he wants to be in the same Bracket as a Jack Byrne or, or whoever else who's come back and you know potentially gone across. Absolutely not. No, I remember jumping up and down that went in the, that night. But like, there's a lot of times in games this year I've seen him and um, he struggled because he doesn't do the other side of the game that you need to do. You know, you need to help your teammates. I remember playing when they played up against Shamrock Rovers um, late on in the year. You know, he, he was probably the one player that, that cost him. You're effectively playing with 10 men at times, you know, when Danny's not tracking back. And I think play, teams are copping on now and how 
to counteract him. And if you get up against him and, and mix it with him, he doesn't like the rough and tumble, which you know can happen in the league when you're coming up against the likes of a Brian Cartland on a Friday night. And I think teams are copping onto that now. So he's need to adapt his game and, and change and bring a bit of bit of more work ethic into his game, I think, and not just depend on lads getting the ball. See, yeah, I, I think this is the thing about the league. There's a lot of good ball players in the league now. We would often make the point here, you know, on the show about that it's probably better to watch, you know, there's some really some excellent players to watch in the league, but actually just in terms of that those intensity levels and and really, like you talk about the, the opening chat about the actual standards. I mean, you could list off players at every team that you'd love to go and watch play, like Pats, for example, this year. Some Pats this year were stacked with like some very capable midfield players. Uh, and on, on their day, they could be decent enough to watch, although maybe not as good as they should have been. But they just weren't consistent enough you know, from week to week. And I think sometimes we talk about full-time here and we assume that because a club is full-time, well, that means that there's a certain standard mm. that's there in terms of their, like week-to-week -week application. And that hasn't been there for a number of it clubs. Back to, like, we'd always say, you know, down through the years, there's certain teams you look at and they have a, you know, a, t a strong mentality. Like Dundalk are the perfect example of that. Like, they have good people in their dressing room, leaders all over the pitch. And there's other teams who don't have that for whatever reason. Finance, you can past, say whatever you want. That's would have been one over yeah, the years that yeah. you'd know just soft in there. Not anymore. Last years. You would well, well <laughs> let's talk about Bowes and Pats. And obviously, uh, Bowes gone into Europe, which I thought was a big fill-up. Mandrew in Europe, Bowes in Europe. Um, you said they overachieved, but they have some lovely players to view to Europe. And they do, yeah. And, like they've lost a lot of players, good players, you know, strong characters in the dressing room. And, you know, they brought in some young lads coming back from the UK and that. And they've, you know, made an impact in the league. I think there was a honeymoon period that kind of stopped halfway through the season and results dropped off, definitely. I think, you know, playing men's football week in, week out, knowing how to put games back to back, they struggle with at times towards the, the second half of the season. Obviously, Derek Pender stepped away this year as well. It's going to be a big loss in the dressing room. So it's going to be another challenge for Keith and Trevor to kind of, you know, replace these guys in the dressing room and see can they kick on with the added incentive of Europe, but it's going to be added games as well, which they struggle to cope with at times. The, the dark horse of next year has to be St. Pat's Athletic, and Brian would know most about this in terms of uh, Steve McDonald, Stephen O'Donnell, rather, who's the new coach. How is he going to get on your former teammates? There's a lot of anticipation at Pat's, maybe too much anticipation at times that Stephen's going to be the great white hope, but what are your hopes for him? Yeah, like we touched on Pats there last year and the squad they had. I remember looking at the squad at the start of the year and there was 20 players of, of great calibre. And, you know, I was expecting them to be to be next after ourselves and Rovers. Started well against Cork and then it all derailed. Yeah, and they, you know, they just couldn't score goals. and um, But they had a squad of good players. Um, so it shows sometimes it's not about the individual, you know, talent that you have. It's the collective and, and what team you could put together and what system and people that fit that purpose. Like, I suppose, perfect example is Liverpool and Klopp signings over the years. Mm. People say, they'd be thinking, who are you signing there and he's not going to win your league. But when they're put into a system mm. that works, that they fit the system and it fits that, I suppose, and that's Stevie, what Stevie's probably trying to do and he's also trying to sign good characters, he which he has done. He massacred the dressing room as well. That's what I loved about it. He took, like, <laughs> ten players were gone straight away. It was an absolute purge and it was like, this is a statement of intent, but that probably wasn't surprising because he's that type of guy, I suppose. Yeah, I wasn't surprised with Stevie. Stevie's ballsy, you know, and he has his way and his way of thinking and what's the point of beating around the bush? Um, players know where they stand then and then you can get on with, with building a new squad. Um, mm. But to touch on, you were going, sorry, the, the full-time and part-time thing. A lot of teams train the same amount as us, yeah. right? But they'd be training evenings. But where it comes into, and you touched on it there, was I think it was April, May, massive back-to-back midweek yeah. fixtures. So if you're working as well, and you've that's when you've a smaller squad, and you're not, you know, um, that's where it catches up on you, and that's when you'll see the difference between, 
I suppose the top breaking away and the, the gaps appearing in the league when you have backlog of fixtures or, or you have four weeks of, of eight games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's like a good cop or a bad cop type dynamic Dan and I have, but there's a lot of sanity and insanity in terms of the chat. Uh, the sanity often comes from Dan. Is there any chance, Dan, whatsoever, that somebody other than no. Rovers of the Dock, no. no chance, Pats no. can't no. win the league, Bowes can't win the there's league, Derry can't win the league, no chance. There's every chance that you will predict one of them to win it in March or April, but it actually won't happen <laughs> in reality. February yeah. this time, I'm looking, yeah. who's your team for the year, who, who it might be on a given day. Now, it's not, of course it can't happen, it can happen over one season. It could only happen if the Dock and Rovers suffered like a catastrophic implosion. Because I mean, Brian references the standards that are there, and I mean, we'll see what happens with the structure of the league and the, the layout. But I don't think it's going to change dramatically next year. And as a result, it is that period of April May where I think the Dock have won the league in April May. In a way, the last two years from that period onwards, we have gone both years of these long unbeaten runs. There's like twenty twenty ones, yeah. In July. August, it's that, you know, it's so. that slog period that matters. But I mean, like generally as well, just for the, for the league as a whole. I mean, shells are back this year or back next year, which is definitely going to bring something. But we just have to have the regional balance right as well. I mean, Cork's drop off this year was something that was really worrying. Derry have improved. Waterford sort of looked like they're going to be sort of a different proposition next year. And you, you, when you're having a broader debate about where the league is going here, it can't be too much of an East Coast Dublin Absolutely. league. And mm. there's a danger that at the top end it's going to be like that next year. Uh, just briefly, we'll get Shane's uh, thoughts on Shells now because you're good mates with Dean Morris. And they came back up after a little bit of a wobble. How will they get on in 2020? Um, like obviously, being a Dublin club, I think they're at an advantage as well because they'll have a certain amount of players that they can, you know, pull from. Maybe that don't go to the likes of a Bowes or Pats. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But he seems to have recruited well, kept a lot of the core of the squad from last season, which tends to help teams. I think when they come up with a tier or you know across the water, if you're keeping that core group together, um, it can have a bounce for you. So Ian's done really well in his first year he's got some good people around him in there as well he's had to you know bring in some new staff as well so it's going to be interesting it's going to be difficult um, a new kettle of fish for him um, they had 27 games last year in the league they're going to have 36 this year and you know more games to compete with so um, they seem to have the support of the owner behind them and that so I hope I hope he does well and I think you know having a healthy shells team in the league is, is only good for the league and you know the derbies that are you know, coming up as well will be great We need to talk now who will actually win the league in 2020 and as you all know you should never make predictions especially uh, predictions that say it's over uh, about six months before the end of the season but um, (laughs) Brian uh, I I, I will make one prediction Let's go to a current player (laughs) I will make one one prediction it'll be a little bit closer next year Uh, will it be closer? (laughs) Uh, Where do we go from that? Uh, How stronger than Dock? How how confident are you that you can kick on? Because as you say this season wasn't even at your best at times Yeah that might be the style of football at times, you know. But we were we were efficient at when we when we weren't. I suppose uh, great to watch. Um, but yeah, we're keeping all our squad, or majority of our squad, and we'll add it. We've already added a couple too, and we're going to add a, a couple more, I presume. Um, Will Patching was a very interesting signing. He was a guy that had a very impressive young CV. Yeah, I, I suppose that's the first I knew about him or heard about him and look him up. Then you know, so it is exciting, and you know, you never know what people like that. He's obviously got. Uh, an abundance of talent if he's come through at City and talking to a couple of people from over in England you know they rate him really highly um, and you know if he can get back to his best it's brilliant and I suppose that's what we've done well at Dundalk is young lads letting them play letting creative players play at their best Did you Dan did you see 
a change from the start of the season to the end in terms of the cup final that Rovers had closed the gap and are ready to give it a proper go next season. I guess that's what it's like so it, long since it's you know. there's so much can happen over you know over the winter period and up until the season starts. I mean I've always had the belief that, like you know, a team maybe has to lose a league to to win one. Even I think at the Dalk in 2013 had the near miss, yeah. and then that sort of. But I'm not sure if Rovers have come close enough to winning the league this year to truly be able to say that. I mean, I hope that it's closer next year. I have a f- good feeling that it might still be the same result, but I think it should be closer. Um, I mean, they have retained some of their best players. That's the key. But I think, to be fair, so have Dundalk. So they are looking outside the league. I think. Generally, I think the top teams, they need to shop a bit more creatively, um, if possible. But there's always a risk then of losing. Um, I think they've taken all lo- the best players within the Well, that's, they've the done that as well. well. You know? yeah. So there's nowhere yeah, else really for you to go. Both squads are quite similar already for, for next year from what they were last year. So the next couple of months will be important for both teams, mm. ourselves and Rovers, in terms of your mm. recruitment. Yeah, ju- just yeah. very briefly, I mean, we, we didn't lose that many players in the off-season, which I suppose is a little bit of a change, but um, Dan, we, there's still so many improvements to make across so many levels in the league. Well, I think that if you were to take... Governance any, for one. But it, well, yeah, we can. I mean, we can go over this again and again. And like I think at the end of every season of the podcast, and in fact, if you went back 10, 15 years, at the end of every League of Ireland season, you always demand the same things. What I would say is the only positive out of this madness is that I think people have probably come around in Irish football to recognising that the League of Ireland is pretty important now. And it's actually taken a while to reach that point. I think even 10, 12 years ago when League of Ireland fans were protesting about, say, John Delaney and the FAI hierarchy, people kind of thought this was a bunch of cranks who just aren't happy with anything. But actually what we've probably seen is a gradual realisation that, well... Uh, wherever Irish football goes from here and we still don't know where it's going to be that the League of Ireland is at the centre of it and not at the fringes of it and I think that probably penny has dropped with some people now so maybe some good has come out of the madness Thanks for coming in lads Cheers thanks. And uh, that is our loss uh, for 2019 My thanks to Brian Shane and Dan Catch us next year for what will be our fourth season of LOI Weekly Bye for now But there are limits to your life